Welcome to the COSIN Podcast, produced in partnership with MindRocket Media Group, the worldwide leader in demand generation, communication outreach, and thought leadership in education. COSIN represents over 13 million students in districts and educational institutions nationwide and continues to grow as a powerful and influential voice in K-12 education. This high-profile podcast series showcases industry thought leaders and executives who provide timely market insights and key guidance on various educational technology strategies. Welcome to the COSIN Podcast. My name is Jeff Angle with MindRocket Media Group on behalf of COSIN and today's sponsor, Tanium. We have a very exciting discussion asking the question, which all school districts should be asking, does your district lack the visibility to accurately gauge your cyber risk? Today's guest is Doug Thompson, Chief Education Architect at Tanium. Doug is a passionate storyteller, TEDx speaker, host of the GoTanium Tech Stories podcast, and a digital transformation warrior. After a 20-year stint at Microsoft, he came to Tanium, where he acts as Tanium Technical Solution Engineer and Education Strategist. He's been involved in the education arena for over a decade, working with some of the largest K-12 and higher education institutions in the U.S. Doug can be found sharing his passion for storytelling by sharing lessons on LinkedIn and the Doug Thompson podcast. He believes that everyone has a story, and it's just a matter of unlocking it from the grips of the subconscious mind. Welcome to the podcast, Doug. Hey, thanks, Jeff. Good to have you here today. And for all of you listening, welcome to today's podcast. So, Doug, let's dive in by asking with a couple of questions, set the stage for us. Doug, in your experience, how do you define cyber risk? Risk is one of those words, if you look in the dictionary, and it, it depends on who you ask, it's got like 75 different meaning on it. But from the cyber risk perspective, it is, you know, wh- how, what is your risk of, of getting ransomware, getting getting breached where somebody exfiltrates data and things like that? That's a, at, the, at the high level, that's what I would define cyber risk as. So, yeah, I've been a teacher in the classroom too. I see students bringing in their own devices. I've seen te- I've seen students be able to get through the school firewalls and access sites that uh, that uh, aren't authorized to be accessed. So, within that you know within that framework, how do you show that you've put measures in place to protect your district from cyber risk? Yeah, that's <laughs> I I explained to my commercial counterparts that do some roles similar to me. That you know, we're the only industry where you have you know in, in this industry you you have maybe a third of the IT support staff for the number of devices that you do as a commercial enterprise, and over half the users are hostile and actually trying to hack into the network. <laughs> so <laughs> they get a bit surprised by that. But it you know the the kids and all are they're, they're curious and, and a lot of them aren't necessarily malicious, but they just do things because one they could be bored or two because it's fun. That's what they do. Um, but you know, understanding that, especially in a BYOD environment, knowing what is attached to your network is the very first thing you have to do. Everything with a high IP address should be identified and know what's going on. And you talk about you know the things where they, they'll create their own hotspot out of a phone or something like that. You need to create some type of firewall or break between what they can do with that and then what they can bring into the classroom and into your network. So you've got to sort of keep that perimeter be aware of where all those doors and windows are. We have a, a, a state representative here in Texas did a presentation at an education service center, and he said you have to start with knowing where all your windows and doors are. And I, unfortunately, I you know I've been in this long enough to know one they're constantly introducing new windows and doors, and two it's a really a hard thing to track. Yeah, most definitely. I mean, all those kids with the different devices that they're bringing in makes that a within a education space or probably even within a corporate space. 
still makes that a, a difficult task. With, within these frameworks related to the cybersecurity area, you know, how do you create those efficiencies to automate your platform to, to mitigate the, the risk? The, there's a couple of different ways that you can do that. You know, automation is, is a great tool if it's done correctly. Um, it can help you scale conditions. Otherwise, it can simply help you get to make mistakes faster. So, so it's, it is a challenge. But starting out as a baseline, again, knowing what every IP address that's attached to your thing, putting a label on it, doing something, even if you can't manage it, knowing what it is, is thing is number one. I'm old enough to remember a commercial that used to come on TV. It says it's 10 o'clock, you know where your children are. The same thing would be for devices today, especially when COVID hit and you know everybody started to have to go out and work from home, work for, you know, go to school from ever, wherever. That introduced a whole big, a whole new paradigm where you know what schools had traditionally designed and institutions as a whole had designed for, for a world where everything remained in their four walls or you know through at least a gated tollway like a VPN into that. And so this change to be able to sort of really address that and the fundamental thing is knowing what those things are, again, and managing what you can and then making sure that it's healthy because most of the vulnerabilities and all that come up that are attacking known vulnerabilities, a lot of them have been out for years or months at least, and you'll find that they're not patched because we're doing things the way that we've always done it. So, so getting into sort of changing that mindset you know, because we've always done it that way is not an acceptable answer. Doing those things which are very manual, that you can automate, that you can repeat, it's very repeatable. And then you can check on the results of that to make sure that it's behaving like it is, are sort of keys to being able to scale in the environment that, you know, we face in education today. Yeah, that's interesting. And just a quick follow-up on that one. So I, I was actually in the classroom for some time when COVID hit and 150 students all dialing in remotely. And from a you know, from a risk mitigation standpoint, when you think about kind of the, the multiple layers of vulnerabilities that you introduce into that environment. So students at home through an unsecured VPN on a device that may be unsecured, accessing a network that, as you just mentioned, that ability to scale and, and patch those different areas. Uh, just in from your purview, when that happened, what did you see is from the, the school district standpoint, the an increase in vulnerabilities and and how do you address that? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, I was I was very much involved in the classroom side of that back in my previous role when that happened. It, on on the one hand, I'd been trying to evangelize and get the my customers and all sort of think about okay, you know, how are you enabling remotely? How are you sort of thinking about ahead of this? You know, if if students have to go home or in, I live in Texas, you know, a hurricane comes and all of a sudden everybody has to go you know, remote because there's a flood or something like that. It comes up and, and it, was, it always sort, sort of got put back on the back burner. Oh, you know, that'll never happen. We've got, we got more important things to do. And, and then COVID hit. And to their credit, now this is the great thing about it, to the credit is I saw some awesome work, endless hours by IT enabling that remote learning experience. So, I mean, they did yeoman's work doing it. But on the other side, Security and all that other stuff had to sort of be the second question you answered. It says, can we get class time going up was the very first question. Can we get devices in hands? Can we enable to do this? And the second question is, okay, how, how can we protect it? You know, what's the best thing that we can do to do that? As opposed to if you'd planned starting with security, here's sort of what we have to think about and then putting things out there in the wild, which would make things much better. I think we're there now. They're still trying to remediate 
all the all the things that sort of happen when you enable the learning without necessarily all the controls you would have liked to have had in place before you did it. And I think we're you know we're still remediating some of that, getting better. And now the, as the new th- new phases go out, they're thinking about the security thing in mind first. And this goes for vendors as well. I mean, you talk about the Zoom bombing, and you talk about all these other things. Scenarios that we had never imagined, these, these were outlier scenarios, came into full force and they did it at scale. And, and you know, so everybody had to play catch up on this as an industry and everything. And that's what, what the real challenge was. Where does your student and faculty personally identifiable information data reside and how well is it protected? Are your district's IT assets protected from the latest ransomware vulnerability? Protecting this info and reducing your attack surface starts with knowing what's in your environment. Tanium provides a platform and practical advice on how schools IT teams can defend against new threats, meet budget pressures, and protect district data through full network visibility. You can't protect what you can't see. Learn more at tanium.com backslash education. Oftentimes the district, when they look at technology, they look at technology safety as an investment they make post-breach. Mm-hmm. And now, you know, how do you change that mindset around preventing the, the or mitigating the cybersecurity risk? Yeah, I, I saw a meme that had, you know, like like two or three, like some pocket change on one side of the screen. It had stacks of dollar bills on the other side. And on the left side with the changes is IT budget before breach. And on the other side was IT budget after the breach, which which unfortunately, and you 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 can test to this as somewhat the reality is it becomes important after it happens. So I, I spend a lot of time trying to, again, much like this, you, we have a lot of examples we can point to now. But more importantly is how do we, in, from a classroom perspective, you, you were in the classroom and, you know, how many hours did you spend or how many cl- much class time was spent because a device wouldn't boot or there was an update and it was rebooting or something like that? How much time did it interrupt your class time? Uh, quite a bit. Yeah. When I focus on then in, in talking with administrators, because a lot of the people that own the budget, this goes from school boards to you know superintendents and all that, they tend to come more from the academic side of the house. And, and which, you know, we need to have that because job number one is educate students. And don't and then this is, you know, they sort of like, okay, technology is a, a cost center as opposed to an enabler of, of new things to do that we need a critical partner in making sure that this stuff works. But then from a budget perspective, it's really tough when you have this cap, your, your capital budgets to buy technology are fine, but you know, now everything is as a service. And so that eats up our so there's a couple of different things I have to talk about to get them to think about that. One is from you need this baseline to be secure and reliable. You need this platform to be secure and reliable so that you don't lose class time so that your student outcomes can meet the goals that you set. And, and I don't think a lot of them think about that. They was well, a device and we'll manage, you know, we'll, we'll work around it because that's the way it's always been. I try to sort of share this. There's a better way to do it, but you're going to have to change the way the organization thinks about technology and the way that they invest in it. Yeah, that's interesting. I think I read the headline there was, you know, in 2021, there were somewhere around three to six trillion dollars in loss due to uh, cybersecurity breaches, which you know, kind of gets me to the, the the next point here. It's almost like, you know, districts, can you afford not to do it? And now that network and device management are topics of discussions in districts as they work to increase technology in the, cl- in the classroom, can you tell us some of the pitfalls you are seeing in district IT operations? 
Sure. Districts have a hard time competing, especially the really smaller ones. And I'll, I'll get to that in just a minute. But competing on salary, you know, it's hard for mm-hmm. us to hire cybersecurity people and we we pay well. So when you get down to school districts, they're sort of in, the, in you know, public sector in general, they're sort of at the lower end of the pay rate. So so getting, you know, getting uh, enough talent to fill those roles is a challenge. I don't, you know, I don't go to buy a school that doesn't have an open headcount for something or other because they moved on to the private sector or something or a bigger school for more money, which again, I can't blame them from doing it. That's the way, you know, the sort of the free market works. But because of that, you know, they, they also then rely on what they've always known because it gets to be like a time frame, a time, a time spent, a time available. I don't have time to learn a new tool or a new way to do things. So I'm just going to reinvest into things that I've always done. And I'll go look at Gartner and I'll do look at the MQ, the magic quadrant. Okay, these mm-hmm. this, this is here. I can buy this. But they don't necessarily play well together. I, I use the analogy of if you looked at a, like a, a, a pro football team. Right. So look at the all-star game. You've got one coach and you've got, you know, all the all-star players that come in and they play decently together. But what if you had a coach for every position? So each player brought their own coach along to do this. Do you think anything would ever get done? You know, that's sort of like what it is when you have these best of breed products that don't necessarily play well together and and communicate across them. Because you need to get a complete, you know, a, a complete picture across your landscape from where the devices are if they're at home. You know, Starbucks, you know, if they're in a bus somewhere that's got Wi-Fi, what are they doing? What's on it? And then I need to be able to take action on that right away. So if I'm finding things with one tool, then I have to send this off to another department or go manually collate the data or do this and then do it with another tool. That that makes, you know, again, I can't scale. I can't do these things. That gets back to automation, the ability to do these things. So thinking a little bit different, looking at is this served me well in the past Seth Godin likes to, you know, he has a podcast on sunk cost. And this mm-hmm. is not education. You know, we bought something at the time because it fit our needs at that time. It's now four or five years in the future. Does that still fit the way we need to do things? The answer is often no. But because we had this, quote, investment on this, we keep reinvesting and it keeps, it, you know, keeps continuing on and building on the same problem. So getting those people to think more broadly is there a better way to fix this and approach this problem? Yeah, that's interesting. And it really a follow-up to that one is technology continues to advance and evolve and, and make these big leaps forward. Obviously, the threats are moving with that and keeping up with it. And from a, a, a district standpoint, you know, what I guess my my question is what is what mindset should they adopt? What posture should they adopt to be able to keep up with that? ever-evolving threat environment. The mindset is, is there, what can I do today that advances, you know, makes me better for tomorrow's problems? Not, not it's just fix today's problems and yesterday's problems. What can I do today from an investment and organizational standpoint or simply the way that we uh, do things that will set me up to protect myself better in the future? And, and the, you mentioned that, you know, the technology advances at such a fast pace, which I agree. You can go out to, and the bad guys have no problem investing in new technology right away. I saw a website when I was doing some research for a talk I was doing, you know, it was it was malware as a service. And there was a picture, it was a screen capture of a website that, you know, hey, you know, for you know, $12.95 a month, you can go ahead and do this. And oh, by the way, if you buy a year's worth, you get a discount. So so you know, they get the as a service model. And some, but unfortunately, because Technology keeps changing. The threats keep changing. 
your your support, you know, your the things you're doing for cybersecurity, the things you're doing for management also need to keep up at the same pace. And that means it's not a it's no longer a project to buy a new endpoint management or something like this. It is now a process of how are we constantly updating it to take advantage of the new things that are available to it. Uh, interesting. I like the malware as a service. I hadn't heard that one before. The picture of that was just, I couldn't believe it. I could get a discount if you <laughs> signed up for a year. <laughs> COSIN is the premier membership organization designed to meet the needs of K-12 education technology leaders. Their resources support the entire IT infrastructure of the school system. COSIN offers members access to their thought leaders across the country and the ability to actively participate in local COSIN chapters. Join the network today by visiting COSIN.org and become another influential voice in K-12 education. Now, you've somewhat coined the phrase text planning. Can you tell us a bit about what that means and how it plays into your philosophy of cybersecurity? Yeah, I... You know, this, this, I, I've been in pre sales technology for a long time. And, you know, used to, you would talk to the IT department and, and they would understand most of the times they knew more than you did about it when you went in there. And you, you could get down to the ones and zeros of the things that are going on. But over my career, I found that as, as buying decisions moved outside the IT realm in, in education, they would move to the academic side of the house or something. And, and you know, commercial business that may be marketing or something. If you start talking to those ones and zeros, their eyes just sort of roll over. They, you know, they just fall asleep. They don't understand it. They have a problem they need to fix. They don't necessarily care about how the technology or what it is that fixes it. So what tech explaining is, and is a sort of a, a, a spin-off mansplaining, which you know, that's a whole other subject. But the, the get out of telling the things about the ones and zeros and use a story that relates to the problems that you're trying to solve. So it's a communication problem. And too many companies get in there and or even even the um, there was a there was a post we had a couple of days ago in our endpoint uh, magazine from uh, it was a former CISO from Wells Fargo that said six things every board should be asking questions. And because boards, school boards, they don't tend to have that technology background. They need to get better versed at what this is so they understand, at least when I come in there, no text planning, but I understand how this solves a business problem and maybe what SAS means, right? It's just simply not talking back to the teacher. And it is interesting, especially with the school board itself, because you get such a collection of, of people with different backgrounds. Mm -hmm. And, you know, kind of going back to your question around the, the risk, it's it really the question becomes from a tech, maybe a tech planning, tech explaining standpoint is, you know, can you afford not to do this? Because right. if you don't do it, here's what it opens up to. And here's what financially what it could cost you as a district. As a follow-up to that, and this is a this is a problem I'm starting to hear a little bit more about. But what do we do now for these, you know, of the, all the districts in the school, the, over half of them have 5,000 students or less. And, you know, it's not uncommon to find, you know, these really small ones that maybe the bus driver is the IT person. Yet the information that they're protecting, social security number of everybody who works there or goes to school there is just as valuable as somebody at a school district that may be flushed with money. Although no, no school district ever is flushed with money, but has, has enough money and staff that they can go ahead and take care of these things. How do we protect those in the same way? So I've been talking like legislators and other things. Is there an aggregation point somewhere up the chain? Like in Texas, we have these regional service centers, education service centers. They have, you know, going in different states, they all, most of them have something like this. 
is there something you could put in place there, a technology you put in place there that you could pay this, the, the people well enough to attract good cybersecurity talent, yet have the tools and the, te- the technology and, and, and uh, the um, organization to manage all these other things for them? So, so basically, now they're doing a security as a service, but it's still kept within education. No text planning required because they understand the education verbiage and stuff like that. But now we've been we've scaled the ability to go do you know do that further. I mean, this goes for local government as well. You know, you could have the sheriff's department that doesn't have anybody to to do IT. So it's a very broad problem, not only education, but education is sort of on the front line. That's a great perspective. Storytelling is an avid interest of yours. And and how does your interest in storage make it make its way into the tech and into education? Well, as the teacher, I know you, you, you've used stories a lot in the classroom, and they're usually done as examples. But this sort of ties into the text-planning piece of that as well. How do we cure text-planning? I was a mentor out at the University of Texas in their, in their master's program, ITSM and, and uh, data science and stuff. And we, I'd be talking, and I'd listen how you know, they sent me the resumes of all the kids I'd be talking to, and I'm looking. I had to look up every third word in the dictionary because, I, man, these, these people are way smarter than I am. But when I listened to them talk or I would go into an interview with them, I'd say, you know, why should I hire you? I could hire anybody. Why should I hire you? They couldn't tell me. They couldn't tell their own story. And storytelling is such an important way to convey information. My TED talk that I did was on about the most important story we tell ourselves, which is inside. But our brain's wired to learn from stories. It's learned to remember a good story, not necessarily facts and figures. So if I can go to a district and talk to a superintendent and explain to them how this is going to enable them to have their teachers to get more quality class time, I will tell a story and use examples of people, the schools that have done that, but here's what it means to them, but I'll do it in a story which relates to the needs that they have. You know, it's not manipulation, it's conveying information in a very effective way that, again, you it, b- between two humans like us, we're having a conversation about what's going on and his ability to carry that on. Hey, Doug, thank you so much for joining the podcast today. And these are I mean, these are big and important topics that uh, all these districts need to be thinking up. And to wrap up our conversation, can you please tell us one piece of advice that you've garnered from your work in tech and education at Tanium that our listeners can bring into their daily tech operations? Sure. Th- thanks. Uh, it's been a great, Jeff, thanks for having me on here. It's been a great conversation. And I would give this to, to anybody that wants to constantly improve themselves, be it, you know, how do I protect the districts better? How do these other things look at what's there today? Look at where you're at today. Look at what your you know, risk is today, what your experience is today. And, and ask yourself, honestly, ask yourself and then do some research. Is there something better? Right. That's the very fundamental thing. Is there something better that we could be doing? And then once you find that something better, because there's always something you, we could be doing better. What is one step, even if it's a small step, that is in my control that I can take to sort of go and, 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 and implement that or, or take advantage of whatever is new? Be it, hey, we need to rethink how we budget things. Be it, we need to lobby our state legislators to re, you know, rethink how they allocate funds. You know, talk to our finance department. Hey, is there a way that we can sort of rework some, you know, some budget, you know, some accounting rules or not, not rework them, but is there different ways that we can sort of account for some things to allow a little bit more flexibility in what we're buying? So, so that's it. It's, you know, don't, you know, if you see something in the MQ, that's great. That's fine. But does it help you get to where you're going or does it sort of keep facilitating the way that it's always been? That's great advice. So I know 
we'll have a number of listeners with this uh, because it's such an important topic. And, you know, it's something that, you know, legislators, school boards, superintendents, assistant superintendents should all be thinking about. And if our listeners would like to connect with you, how would they go about doing that? Sure. Uh, you can read um, on LinkedIn is where I'm most active. Uh, I'm the Doug Thompson is the LinkedIn, but just, you know, Doug Thompson, or you can send emails. We'll put some stuff in the show note on how you can email me or you can email education at tanium.com. That'll get to sort of a group mailbox for the VP and I sort of monitor that and go on. But that's the best way to do it. Well, Doug, thank you for your, your time today. It's been a great conversation. I know one that I've enjoyed and I know one that uh, our listeners, especially in the education space, will enjoy and then hopefully reach out to you because it's a, uh, like we said, it's a, it's a continually evolving landscape around mitigating cyber risk and yeah, it, an important one as well. It's constantly moving. And if I can help one person today, then I've made the world a little bit better place. And that's really my goal in life. That's a great goal. And we look forward to having you on the second podcast. On behalf of the leadership team at COSIN, thank you for listening to this episode of the COSIN podcast. To access other podcasts in this series, visit COSIN.org or edcircuit.com for a complete lineup of engaging technology topics. Ed Circuit empowers the voices of education with hundreds of trusted contributors, changemakers, and industry-leading education innovators. For more information on MyRocket Media Group, please visit mindrocketmediagroup.com to discover how you can be our next satisfied client.